Well, I feel like I've already said good morning a few times to you, but I want to follow up real quick on a couple things. Uh, first of all, Fields of Faith. We asked you to pray last week for Fields of Faith, a Sunday night event where kids from uh, various counties came around in all these different schools. And it was a blessing. The worship team did a fantastic job. Uh, all the students who shared from all these various schools were very powerful in what they shared with God's Word and their stories. Uh, our young man who shared from Taylor University uh, shared his, his testimony. Um, boy, um, the, the clarity of the gospel and what he had to, to share about his life journey uh, was amazing. I wish we could have recorded it. Maybe sometime we'll come back to our church and he can share it here. You'll, you'll be blown away by it. Uh, but praise God, through all of that, uh, a lot of kids uh, were impacted. More importantly, uh, we had a handful of kids who surrendered their life to Christ. And so we prayed for it. Thank you so much. Their eternal life has been impacted. And uh, so thank you for your prayers and support on that. Also, um, I said I was going to be sending a letter out to all the church members concerning giving and, and our harvest offering. That is coming this week. Uh, so for those of you who are anticipating, oh, I'm like, am I going to get that letter? Uh, I know he doesn't like to talk about giving, but it's are we gonna, this week. It's coming this week. See, I'm even slow in sending you that. Uh, but it's, it's coming, and we're excited about what God is going to do through us, uh, through our hearts, uh, as we get things uh, more in line with the intent of what uh, things should be. Uh, and that continues into today's message. So grab your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 6, as we are in the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount. Again, I was, I was reading Mark chapter 8 and 9 and this past week in my personal time when I read. There are some incredibly awesome stories about Jesus Christ and his power, casting demons, healing the sick, and his, his compassion. It's like, oh, man, I just, I just love, like, I want to share that. But it's like, but we need to go back to what he taught here in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 to help us understand the meaning behind his power. And um, as we started last week, we said, we get into chapter 6, all of a sudden Jesus is like, there are some things that every Christian should be living by, we should be doing. It's part of our characteristic. It's part of our DNA as a Christian. But it needs to be done with the right intent, with the right heart. Giving was what we talked about last week. This week we're going to talk about prayer. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about fasting. I'm not going to tell you when because you're like, I'm not going to show up because I don't have to stop eating. So you're, uh, it's coming, but not next week, I will say that. Um, but when I was sitting here thinking about prayer, it's like, but don't we already know all about prayer? I mean, we find the, it's called the Lord's Prayer right here in the middle of this chapter. And it's like, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer, right? I mean, and what are we going to say about the Lord's Prayer? Well, I heard this story. Um, from uh, the Chicago Bears, John Cassis was the uh, chaplain for the Chicago Bears back in the 1980s. And one, he shared a story about how he was in the locker room one day and, and all the players came in and, and Coach Mike Dicka at the time was the coach. He comes in and he's going to give this big pep talk. But before he gave the big pep talk, he went over to a guy by the name of William Perry. He's called The Fridge, 338 plus pounds. Massive man, right? He says, hey, William, when I get done with my pep talk, I want you to give the Lord's Prayer. He walked away. William Perry, this big man, he, John Cassis looked over and he said, well, he started to get nervous. You could see his eyes like, oh, man. So all of a sudden he gets his elbow. John does from the guy next to him. looks over. It's Jim McMahon, their quarterback. And uh, Jim goes, I don't think William knows the Lord's Prayer. I don't, th I don't think he knows the Lord's Prayer. And so anyway, Coach Dick has given this big uh, pep talk. And while he's giving the big pep talk, William Perry's not even engaged in the pep talk. He's like, whew 
trying to get focused. And, and Jim McMahon elbows John again and says, I bet you 50 bucks he does not know the Lord's Prayer. And, and Jim, John said, you know, it's sort of weird betting on somebody knowing the Lord's Prayer or not. It didn't seem like the right thing to do at the time. He gets done talking with his big pep talk. Coach walks away, looks at William, takes his hat off, bows his head. William Perry gets up there. He's like, sort of clears his throat. <clears throat> Let's pray. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. John's standing there. He gets elbowed by Jim McMahon. Looks over. Jim's like, here's the 50 bucks. I didn't think he knew the Lord's Prayer. Obviously, Jim didn't either, okay? Yeah, some of you a little slow on that one, okay. So I sat there and thought about the Lord's Prayer, and it's like, this was a true story, by the way. And I'm sitting there thinking, I, even for those of us that do know the Lord's Prayer, do we really know the Lord's Prayer? And, and then I thought about the whole subject of prayer, and I'm sitting there thinking, you know, volumes of books, libraries have been written on prayer. Sermons, endless sermons have been preached on prayer. What can I say in less than 30 minutes about prayer that maybe nobody else knows? And it's like, where do I even start? Where do I go? And it's like, oh, wait, wait, where am I? Matthew chapter 6. Let's just see what Jesus had to say about prayer there. And here's the thing. We're not even going to, we can't even expand on it. So it's, it's one of those flybys over Matthew 6 right now. And hopefully through this, uh, God will just sort of prompt some things in our hearts. Because here's the thing. I want to tell you right now. As I was studying and preparing for this, and it's been a couple weeks now, um, I was like, my prayer life's been impacted. And I now, I, sometimes I get even a little worried about when I pray because I want to make sure my heart intent is right in the right spot. And that was the whole point with this. So let's look at verse 5. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I tell you the truth. That is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, pray to your Father in private, then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Now here, again, what is Jesus aiming at? Jesus is saying, first of all, I'm going I'm to warn you about wrong intentions. Just like I did about giving, I'm going to warn you about wrong intentions now about praying. Do not pray like a hypocrite. What does the word hypocrite in Greek mean? It was an actor. It was a performer. It was an entertainer. So don't be like the one who's out there, I'm here to entertain you by how I pray. I'm here to perform by how I pray. Jesus says that's what was going on with a lot of these prayers from these religious leaders. He sort of points out, and if we understood what was going on back that time, these Jews, they would pray a couple of different prayers. One was called the Shema, which was from Deuteronomy chapter 6. They would pray that uh, twice a day, and it was central to the Jewish worship. That it basically would start off, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and they would continue on from there. They also had another prayer called the Amidah, which was basically, it was 18 blessings and became 19 blessings, but they would pray that three times a day. 9 a.m., noon, and 3. So if you're a very devout Jewish person, you would pray up to maybe five times a day. Specifically, you knew, as a devout Jew, you would be praying at 9, noon, and 3. And Jesus says, now we know that you all pray in synagogues and on the street corner. It's like street corner. Why did he bring that up? Because the intent of a lot of these religious leaders was, I want to be seen. 
I want you to know I'm a pretty religious person. So let's see what time is it. It's 8.55. I better get to a public place where I'm on the street corner. Boom, 9 o'clock. Oh, I just happened to be on the street corner. So watch all of you, or all of you watch me while I pray. And so basically, you saying, you guys, you were planning it, basically, to put yourself into a position at a certain time of the day so that you would be seen. That was the whole thing here. The intent of these religious leaders was wrong. They wanted people to put the focus upon them and their prayers, so they positioned themselves in that way. Jesus says, those of you that are praying that way, you know what kind of reward you're going to get? The same kind of reward you, those who were giving are going to get. You'll get the applause of man, and that's it, because your Heavenly Father is not impressed. You, you, want the, you want the applause of people? Go ahead. <laughs> but you're not getting mine. Now, as I said last week, sometimes we worry about our, uh, our image, right? That, that was the whole thing with intention. I'm intending for you to see something because I want my image to be lifted up. Sometimes we also fail to do things as far as volunteering to do certain things, to serve, whatever it might be, or to try new things. Why do I not want to try something new? Because I might fail. That looks bad on my image. There's a lot of people that could try things or do things, but they won't because, well, I don't know if I'm very good. I'm not as good as that person, so I won't look as good. What does it come down to again? Image. Just as much as we do things to look good, sometimes we will not do things because we don't want to look bad. You follow me, church? What's the intent? And Jesus is going at this. When you pray, are you choosing to pray so that people, are you, are you going to pray this kind of prayer that really impresses people? Or are you like, I don't want to pray because I'm afraid I'm not going to impress people. Jesus says it's not about impressing people. What we need to do here is we need to go, and look what he says. We are to meet with God, he said, in a, in a room or a closet. And that, that was a private place. And that, that word actually meant like a, like a storage room where you maybe put your treasures. And I don't know if it's alluding to the thought that this is where I store my treasures. You know what my treasure is when I go into a room and get quiet with God? My treasure is the richness that I'm going to get from my relationship with him. It wasn't about getting money or anything like that. It was about the richness of your relationship with the God of this universe. Now, again, I don't know if that's what it was alluding to, but basically what is Jesus saying and what is he not saying here? Jesus is certainly not saying don't do public prayer. No, he agrees public prayer was great. Corporate prayer is great. But it needs to be directed by God and not towards man. When, I, when we pray in a public place, it's not about your prayer to impress others. It's your prayer to God. We should pray publicly. And we should also pray silently alone. It wasn't so much, again, about where. It was the intent. Look at verse 7, moving on there. When you pray, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them. For your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Now, this, there's a thing right there I just finished on. Some, when it comes to prayer, some people are like, you know what? Why pray? God already knows everything, right? His will be done. It's going to be done. So why even ask if He's going to do these things? And then you got the other side of the spectrum over here. It's like, you know what? We need to pray about every single thing. Every single thing. We, we need to bring to God in prayer. And then you got a lot of us who are somewhere in the middle. It's like, I know God already knows what I need to be going to him about right now, but yet I'm still going to go to him in prayer. I'm sort of in that middle spot, right? And that's what Jesus was saying there towards the end, but some of this 
what it began with was, but I don't want to hear you babbling. This vain repetition. The Greek word here for babble is actually banalageo, which sounds like I'm babbling. Banalageo, you know, it's like this, this word's used only once in Scripture in this moment by Jesus. It's like, and stop babbling. Banalageo, you know, it's like, what did he just say? I've never heard that word before. Right? It's like to babble. Just to, sometimes when we pray, it's like, I'm going to see how many words I can throw out there. It's like we pull up at this source right next to us, like, I'm going to use this word 50 times to make myself sound really, you know, impressive, right? It's vain repetition. Blah, 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 blah. You're just going on and on. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says this. God is in heaven. You're on earth. Let my words be few. Wow. To the point, right? See, when we babble and repeat, it's as if we're trying to explain something to God that he already knows. You know what I'm saying? It's like, God, you probably don't know this, so let me just keep going on and on. It's like, I think he already knows. So you can probably shorten it up. You don't have to just keep going on and on. I've done it, been there, right? But here's the other thing, too, is um, we, we pray to God telling him things um, that it's like, I wonder if he knew this. <laughs> and then in the back of your mind, it's like, well, he already knew this. But I feel like I need to say it. Why do I feel like I need to say that? Why am I doing that? Probably to impress somebody again. Again, it's, it's the intent of the prayer. Why am I babbling? Why am I using the same words? Why am I trying to use impressive words? Why am I trying to tell God something that he already knows? Be- why, why do I use scripture in my prayers? You know, God, you said in the book of Galatians, and then I start saying the scripture. It's like, I'm repeating God's words that was given to me back to him, he already knows that, right? So why am I doing that? Is it to impress others or is it because it's God's spirit laid upon my heart? We've got to ask that question. If God lays upon your heart as you're praying, the scripture comes to mind and you're just, you know, it's like, wow, yes. And then you pray, that, that's okay because the spirit's leading you. But if you're in a prayer group and you're like, they'll be impressed that I memorized my verse this week. And then you blurt it out in your prayer. Why did you do that? Well, there are. I want everybody to know I know these verses. That's the wrong intent. That's what Jesus is getting at this. God isn't impressed by the length or the eloquence of our prayers. He's, he wants to see our heart. He wants to see our hearts. Again, if you want to say, well, does Jesus want a short prayer or a long prayer? Jesus did both. There's times when Jesus' his words were just a couple of phrases one sentence, that was his prayer, right? I mean, you might read it in, in the gospel. And then, oh, John 17, that's a long prayer. Oh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, his disciples were falling asleep on him. It must have been a long prayer. He had short prayers, he had long prayers. Again, it's not about the length of the prayers. It's not about the eloquence of prayers. It is the intent of our prayers. And so, basically, when he stops there after those first four verses, like saying, it's not about this, but then he goes, guys, here. I want you to pray like this. So now he doesn't give us the prayer that we're supposed to repeat. He gives us a prayer pattern. This is how we're to pray. So look at verse 9. He says, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let, let, let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Now, if you grew up like I did, even though our church 
was King James and then NIV and then um, NLT and there was another version there somewhere uh, growing up. All I remember is the King James version of this scripture right here, right? That's pro- probably what a lot of us remember in the Lord's Prayer. In this prayer, Jesus says, this is how you can pray. And, and let me break it down. Again, the, the right kind of prayer comes to God as Father in heaven. We are rightly recognizing whom we are praying to. And that is a privilege to pray to God. This was, this was very unusual for the Jews of this day to call God Father. So when Jesus is like, I want you to pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven. You probably saw these religious people. You just called God Father? Does he not know that's not the proper title, right? But we need to remember something about our identity in Christ. We are, if you've, again, if you've confessed with your mouth and you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you've been changed eternally forever and ever. You've been adopted into God's family now. There's a scripture in the book of Ephesians that says this. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. This was his idea. And it gave him great pleasure. That's a verse that we ought to memorize right there. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. It gives God great pleasure to love you, to come up with this idea that he's going to adopt us into his family and call you his kid. It's like, I love this idea. I'm going to adopt you. If you're an adoptive parent in here, you know somebody's adopted their kids. Okay, for, for a lot of us parents, we have children biologically, just, you know, it's like, yeah, we chose to have children. But when you adopt, you are going, you're jumping through a lot more hoops because you really, really want this child. And you pay for it. How much do I, I'm paying, right? As an adoptive parent, you can't wait until the, the court says, that's your child. And all of a sudden there's yes, right? That's part of the adoption. And this is God's attitude. Look at Ephesians uh, 2.18. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. We call him Father, which is a very intimate term, because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And Jesus, by the way, he made it very clear in John 8 that not everybody's a child of God. If you've heard out there, it's like everyone's a child of God. Everyone's a child of God. That's not biblical truth. That's a great worldview. Sounds awesome. We're all God's children. Yeah, there's probably songs about it. That's not biblical truth. John 8, Jesus points to these people. He's talking to them. He says, you don't believe me. And he has this conversation with them. You don't even hear what I'm saying because you can't hear what I'm saying because you belong to your father, the devil. See, it's like we all come from Adam. Okay, there's two two families here. We all come from Adam. And then those of us who place our faith in Jesus Christ, we are reborn into this new family, adopted in this new family. There's two different families. These, us who are reborn, who have confessed with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, we are children of God. The others are not. So when somebody's praying this prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed by the way, we did this all the time. 
all the time growing up with the, the football team that I played on in the locker room Friday night. We're out there doing warm-ups. We come in, we're all sweaty, pop our lids, take a knee. Coach fires us up with this big talk. And then, the, then our Catholic priest who's our chaplain comes in. He says, let us pray. And we all bow our heads. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We go through the Lord's Prayer. We get done. The coach is like, let's go beep, beep, beep. Yeah. Ooh, boop, boop, boop. Ooh, beep, beep. All the swearing going on. We go running out of the locker room. It's like, what just happened? We just prayed the Lord's Prayer, all God's children. No, here's the sad thing. Here's the horribly sad thing. I don't, even, I don't even know how to explain this or how to look at this. Half my teammates are probably going to go to hell. And they prayed the Lord's Prayer. Did God hear their prayer? No, you know why? Because they're not in his family. They've never confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. They're not Christians. So when they pray, our Father, we're not talking to God. We all think we are. But God says, you're not my kid. I love you, created you, but you're not adopted into my family yet, not until you confess. So this prayer, when it says the Lord's Prayer, it's, like the, it's really more of a believer's prayer. So, but we call it the Lord's Prayer, but really a, probably a better name is believer's prayer because it's for those who are believers in Jesus Christ. And we pray this prayer. This is how we're supposed to pray, being adopted into his family. Galatians 4, 6 says this, And because we are his children, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. God is a mighty, sovereign God of this universe. And you can go through the Old Testament, look at all the powerful names that he has. Whether it's Adonai, was El Shaddai, but in the New Testament, Jesus says, call him Father. Man, that is so intimate. It's so personal. Let that soak in, right? But what I, I like what he goes on to say, our Father what? Who's in heaven. Jesus makes it very distinct, very clear. He goes, when you're praying to your heavenly Father, he is in heaven. This is not your earthly Father. Please understand that. There's a big separation. As an earthly Father, Imperfect. Right? I, 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 there's times when our, our boys are sitting around and they say, Dad, you remember when you did this? Like, yeah, I know. It's pretty embarrassing. I can't believe I did that. Parenting error number 243 out of ongoing, right? As, a, as an earthly father, we blow it. As a heavenly father, he never does. And, and here's the thing. Jesus said, I want you to make sure you understand. There's a difference between a heavenly father and an earthly father. He is all-knowing, all-powerful, loving, giving, good. He's always there. Earthly fathers, abusive, absent, stingy. I mean, we, we blow it at times, right? It, it, it just happens. And here's the problem. When I go to pray, my father, heavenly father, you know, I got to make sure I separate the two. Some people have a hard time because they cannot picture a heavenly father because their earthly father has just been so absent, so wrong. They can't picture a, a heavenly father being pretty awesome. And Jesus says, if you can, please remember there's a difference a heavenly Father who is giving, who is there for you, who loves you with everything he has. He goes on to say in verse 9 and 10, May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His name is holy. It is set apart. He, he is not like anyone or anything else. His character, his name, nobody like him, but yet we take his name and we make it a curse word. We throw it into fl uh, phrases flippantly, toss it around in conversation. And then when we pray, we approach God differently. And the question is, if you're going to use his name one way, why are you using it another? He is not the big man in the skies or the, the man upstairs or whatever. He is God. 
And we need to understand it. We need to approach God differently in, in all we do and say. And, and prayer is one of those ways in which we do it. He's more than just a buddy or a friend, you know. He's a friend of mine. But it's like, boy, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom, it says in Scripture, right? And I wonder if we truly do fear God and His awesomeness at times. I know there are times when I prayed. I told you when I started studying and preparing for this, I had to go back and look at some of the ways I prayed and say, I probably shouldn't have prayed that way. I, pr I probably shouldn't have prayed that way. Right? And it's like, oh, I'm just sort of praying to my buddy. It's like, he's God. He's my heavenly Father. Whew. Even at the mealtime when I pray, it's like, it doesn't have to be long, right? It could be really short. It's like, Heavenly Father, thank you. Amen. We don't have to press anybody. We just, we're just going to our Abba Father and saying, you give me this, thank you. What? Parents, you tell me. Your, your kids come to you and they, and they do something for you or you do something for them and they just come up to you and say, hey, Dad, thanks. That's all you want to hear sometimes, right? <laughs> it's like, that's all I need to hear. And maybe sometimes that's all God wants to hear as well. Jesus also wanted the prayer with the desire that the will of God would be done on earth as it is in heaven. I think about that when you say, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's like, you know what we're saying? I wonder if we really understand what we're saying. It's like, God, everything you're doing up there, I want you to do it right here, right now. Think about that, okay? Are we ready for that? For God's will to be done here? Because if we want God's will to be done here, that means our will has got to go. Our will and God's will cannot be in the same place. It's like what I want to do and what God wants to do might be two different things. If they're two different things, somebody has to surrender. It's going to have to be me, right? May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, which means I have to surrender something in my life because I want your will to be done right here, right now. And he's the only one that can show us that. We had a, a young man who's a friend of my boys, and he was... Um, he was uh, from Chicago, and he'd never heard of a, of, a, of a county fair. So we're telling him about the Fulton County Fair. And he's like, what? what? Tractors? What's a tractor? What kind of food is that? You know, and you're telling him all kind of about the fair food and all these crazy things. So he actually, uh, he, he came over uh, during the Fulton County Fair. He came from college. He had a couple of days off. So he came with the boys. The boys took him to the fair and, and showed him around. Because if this is your first time, you don't know what rides to ride or what rides not to ride, what food to eat or not to eat, what to go to show and see and all those kind of whatever. You're going to go watch a pig being shown or a rabbit being shown or whatever it is. So here's the thing. He's sort of like this, like, you guys show me what I need to see. So the boys are able to say, try this. Go to this spot. And they were able to take him. So here's, here's basically what's happened. That's the kind of prayer we're saying to our, our Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father, I don't know how I should be acting here on earth. I don't know what I should be trying or not trying. May your will be done here. Show me. Walk with me. Introduce me to the things that I need to be doing. And help me not to go in the places that I shouldn't be going. When you look at verse 10, it says you can just take the, the word earth out and basically it, instead put in there, um, your will be done in my family, in my team, in my business, my marriage, my neighborhood, my church. What do we need to surrender to God in our life? You know, again, who, who created this earth? God did, right? So if I need help living my life on this earth, who should I be talking to? 
probably the creator of this place. After acknowledging God and his divine being and surrendering and submitting, there's a few other things in the scriptures, uh, verses 11, 12, 13. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us of our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. Very quickly, these are things after, you, after he's like, I know who God is. And I'm surrendering myself to him. Now, there's some things I need, God. I need some provision. Daily bread. I, you know, some people are saying, was he talking about Jesus being the bread of life? Was he talking about the Lord's Supper? I think everybody was pretty much in agreement. A lot of theologians, as they look at this, saying, just keep it simple. He's talking about bread. Are you hungry? Are you, are you struggling right now to meet, make ends meet? Heavenly Father, help me make it today. Sometimes when, when we raise funds in ministry, um, I pray, Lord, give us today our yearly bread. I would love to be able to look at the bank account for our ministries and say, oh, we're good for a year, you know. But a lot of times it's monthly. It just causes me to pray like this. Help us meet our daily bread, right? I, God, daily bread's pretty awesome. Thank you for it. One theologian said, the prayer is for our needs, not our greeds. It's for one day at a time. So we pray for provision. We pray for pardon uh, because we are indebted to God. We're praying for forgiveness, right? We pray to be made right with God. We pray for forgiveness when we sin, when we rebel against God. Because when you mess up, somebody's got to pay for it, right? Guess who paid for it? Communion just reminded us who paid for it. Jesus paid for it on the cross. We just, that was our reminder right there. Your sin, my sin, he paid for it. We need to thank him for that. Colossians 2, 13 to 14 says, He has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness, transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Through Jesus, our debt has been paid. Placing faith in what Jesus did, we are forgiven. We're forgiven. Fellowship with God is good, but now we still deal with our fellowship with other people, right? As we read that verse about how we are to, we ask, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Here's the thing. It's hard to forgive people who have sinned against us when we've not been forgiven by God. Once we've been forgiven by God, now God help us to forgive others. Help us to forgive others. It's funny, but sometimes, um, this is true, we want mercy for ourselves, but we want justice for others. Think about that. We want mercy for ourselves, but we want justice for others. What I mean by that, you're driving down the road, you see a cop car, and you're like, ooh, don't pull me over, don't pull me over. Because you look down at your speed limit, you're like, oh, I was going over a little bit. I hope they don't pull me over. Oh, wait, whew. But then some guy passes you, and you're like, man, I hope he gets pulled over. Oh, yeah, he got pulled over. Mm-hmm, justice. And what were we just begging for? Mercy. Don't pull me over, but you can pull him over. That's, that's sort of the way we are, right? And so scripturally, it's sort of like that, too. It's like... Please forgive me, but I don't have to forgive them, right? Part of that prayer, God says, or Jesus says, when you pray, ask God for forgiveness, but also ask God to help you forgive others. Oh, and protect you from the evil one. The devil, the liar, he's a schemer, he's a killer. He wants to take us out, he'll use temptation. So, so part of our prayer should be too, is that we ask God to protect us from the many temptations that come our way. Again, a lot here in the scripture you can just keep expanding and growing on, right? And building on. So 
let me recap and sort of say, how then should we pray? Not word for word, according to a pattern that was put here. This is, this is how, okay? But as we pray, we pray with the right intention. It's not about impressing others. It's not about impressing God. You're praying from the heart. You're praying to our Father who's in heaven. He is set apart from us. He is holy. So approach him as one who is holy. Acknowledge the trueness of God, his character. And if you're going to pray for his will to be done, you have to ask yourself, what area of my life do I need to surrender? If I want God's will to be done here on earth, what do I need to give up? He knows this place better than me. What do I need to surrender? And when we pray, give us, we need to ask, is there a need? If there is a need, ask. God's such a good God. He's a generous God. He's like, you got a need? Pray for it. You need some daily bread? Pray for it. Forgive us. Maybe you're in here this morning. There's something that's caused a break between you and God. Ask for forgiveness this morning. Maybe there's something going on between you and another person. Ask God to help you show forgiveness to that person. And protect us from the evil one. We all need to pray. Shields up, right? Armor on. Protect us from the evil one. He's going to try to, he's going to, try to take us out all the time. I told the youth group a couple weeks ago, I said, he goes, I just said, I don't, want, I don't want our church to have the biggest youth group. I want every youth group to be big. I want every youth group to be big. I want every church to grow. I don't want one or two churches flourishing. I want the body of Christ to be strong. Because that's a harder, harder task for the devil when he sees a community on fire for Christ. He can take out one or two very easily, but a church, a community of believers that are on fire for Christ, pray that we are protected from the evil one. Pray that we rise up in our, in our spiritual strength to fend off what he comes with those fiery darts. Worship team, would you come forward, please? As they're coming forward, again, where do we need to pray? I, I just say start with your intent. Your intent. When you pray, just block out everybody else being in here. When you pray in a, in a group, in front of people, it's just you and God. Have a conversation with him. Have a conversation with him. It takes time. Do you remember uh, for some of you when you first dated? If you're a long time ago, it started off before there was texting. We might have sent each other notes. If you're in elementary school, it was, do you like me? Yes or no. Hand the note, right? Uh, as you got older, as you might text, I'm, I'm talking to them now. I guess I don't understand. But anyway, and then the relationship grows, right? Then you get to the place where you've been married for 25, 30, 35 years. And it's like your, your conversations are a lot different than when you first were, right? But then you get to that point in time where you're sitting on the couch and you look over at your spouse and you're like, yeah, sometimes we don't need to talk. We're just near each other and that's good enough, right? And then you realize, maybe we do need to talk, that's the way it is with God. When you first encounter God, it's like, uh, do you like me? Yes or no? And then he gives this big, fat, heavy, yes, I love you. And then you start your relationship with God, and it's sort of slow at first because you're trying to figure out this relationship with God. Then after years of being a Christian, you're like, I got this thing down, and we become maybe a little relaxed in our conversation with God because, hey, we've been friends forever, right? We've known each other for a long time. And then we come to a realization, you know what? I'm never too old 
to make sure my conversations with God are on spot and on target and growing and personal. Where are you at in your relationship with God and your conversations with him? Would you stand, please? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. I thank you that we can have the directions that we need to grow closer to you. Heavenly Father, you are in heaven and you are holy. We do pray that your will, what you want done in your kingdom is done here. So God, help me to know my personal life where I need to surrender things. Help us as a church to surrender our personal wills to you. Have your way with us, God. God, forgive us of our sins, our rebellion, those little things in our lives that we don't think are big. Help us, Lord. When they are tempting to us, help us to be victorious over them. You promised, Lord, uh, to never give us anything more than we can handle, but sometimes we feel overwhelmed. Thank you that you do not leave us in those moments. Thank you, Lord, that we can be here together as, as a church family. And I thank you for those that are visiting today. I pray, Lord, that today was a day they got to hear more about a God that loves them. Heavenly Father, as we sing this last song to you, may you be honored. May your name be praised. In thy name we pray, amen.